Great to have you join us at Church Online. If you want to uh, connect with us in person, we would love to do that. Just go to our website, kenmore.church. You'll see the Next Steps launcher there, little yellow circle with some footprints there. You can uh, fill in the Connect card online. We'll get straight back to you and book an appointment to see you. Why don't we look now at some ways that you can connect in at Kenmore Church. how comfortable you are with being uncomfortable. God calls us into new things and the very fact that it's new means it's going to be uncomfortable, unknown. All we do know when God calls us into something new is that he will be with us and that's his promise from Isaiah 43. He talks about the fact that we'll go through the waters but he'll be there with us. He invites us into a new exodus, out of one thing, into something else. And let's pick it up again in Isaiah 43 verse 18. Forget the former things, don't dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And so we've looked a lot at this narrative through Scripture, through people like the Emmaus walkers. And today we're going to look even deeper at the story of Abram as he becomes Abraham, as he comes into this new thing. Author Jim Jim Collins says that when an organisation and the church in many ways is an organism and an organisation in its local context, whenever it's progressing forward, it's very important that we preserve the core and yet stimulate progress. We preserve the core, we preserve that which must never change, but we continually change how that may look and we stimulate progress as we move on. The kingdom is advancing, it's never stopped. And so God calls us into this new thing, which requires us to preserve the core. And we've looked at that core. That core is is the fellowship of believers, the, the truth of scripture and the presence of Jesus himself in our life. We preserve that and yet we stimulate progress in our life. But progress in what? What changes? Where are we going? Where does this whole thing go? God's doing a new thing, but what type of new thing? Surely, if we can understand, if we can perceive as he calls us to perceive, maybe we'll know which way we can step. So what I want to do is give you uh, a framework that's called a story arc or a narrative arc. Because when he calls us into a new thing, God's calling us into something that is the next stage or the next chapter 
in a longer story. And a story arc or a narrative arc, it's, it's something that uh, book writers use or Hollywood script writers use. And it talks about a, a long story that may go over in Hollywood, for example, many movies or many books. There's a long arc of a story. But in some ways it may be episodic, it may have uh, chapters, it, we have short beginnings and endings, but the longer story goes on. It's a continuing storyline. And so in your life, you have a story arc, you have a narrative that's been going since the moment you were conceived and will go on into heaven eventually when we get there. And this is just but one uh, chapter, one section of that, and within this chapter on earth now, there are many little episodes that we go through. And so we understand that there's this journey that we're going through. And so often there are subplots and sometimes the subplots in our life, subplots can be things like uh, your career or uh, where you're located. It's a season that comes and goes. Sometimes those subplots can, if we let them loose, uh, conspire to get us off track. They can cause a bit of a drift in the story arc. We can have breakdowns of relationships. We can have things going terribly wrong. And yet God calls us back like that heavenly GPS. He calls us back to get back onto that pathway home, back onto our story arc. And story arcs normally end in a thing called resolution. They resolve, they come back home again. And so the resolution comes towards the end of the story arc. We're nowhere near the end of ours. But somewhere along that line, there'll be a climax in the story. And that will happen often, you know, about two thirds into the story as it builds in what's going on there. Then there's this climactic moment. And then there's this process after that of coming home where the story resolves itself. And so scripture is full of these types of story arcs. Now remember what we're trying to do here is perceive the new thing God's calling you into, God's people into, and where his overarching story is going. And so we're using the story arcs to help us to perceive what he's doing. So let's zoom in now to Abram. Abram became Abraham. Abram had a story arc of his own. He didn't realize that at the time and we seldom do either. He just suddenly became called by God, this God he never knew. He was living in a world full of pagans. Uh, they had idols all over the place. And suddenly this God he'd never heard of speaks to him and makes this incredible call from his life in Genesis 12, 1, where he says, God says to Abram, go from your country, your father's household, to the land I will show you. And so now we're zooming right now into, as far as Abram was concerned, Abram's story. Just like we zoom in by default to our story. Whenever we're looking at new things, our normal perspective is us. It's the next stage in my story. But there are normally more stories involved. But Abram was going to go on a story. He was called Abram, which literally meant to be a father of a household. The world had defined him that way. That was the, the calling on his life as, as far as the world around him had defined it. And the world will try to define your life as well. It'll call you a name and say, this is the story arc that's going to become of you. But God had a different plan. He had a whole different story arc that the world didn't know about. His plan was to make him Abraham, father of many nations. He was going to take this father of a, of a household, and he wasn't yet a father, and take him into a father of many nations. Now, Abram, all he wanted was his plan. He wanted a son. He wanted a family. He couldn't get his mind on the greater plot that God had. And so it frustrated him. And for 25 years, he was working around trying to figure out this new thing in his own strength, in his own way, because he couldn't see the bigger picture. He couldn't perceive the new thing. The new thing required him to have faith. That was what God was getting at. You become a nation. Many nations will come under you. There'll be nations of faith. And so he needed this man in his next chapter to grow faith. That was all he had to do. And so until he could grow that faith, 
the new thing wasn't going to come about. And so his story was to become that father of many nations. And in many ways, he's a father of us because that was part of his plan. There was a greater plan. It wasn't just about him. In fact, it was very little about him. It was much more about us because he was to become our father. It says in Romans 4, 11, Abram is the father of all who believe. So you can see straight away, there's another, there's another story arc going on there. There's the, the, the story, the narrative of this people that God wants to form. And he calls Abram to be sort of the first in that story as, as far as it was going to be defined because that story was going to be a people of God, a nation, a holy nation. And so Abram was called through his life to catalyze and activate that by demonstrating a faith that a whole nation had to take on. And so it says in Exodus 19.6, God says to these people many years later, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So Abram's story catalyzed and made possible this other calling, which was about God's people. When Abram was called to perceive the new thing, it was more about this people than it was about Abram himself. If, if he could see in that greater perspective, maybe he would have grown faith earlier. Who knows? And so there's another layer to this new thing, and this helps us to perceive it. But Abram could never have known that. His new thing made no sense. He didn't even know this God. He didn't know the greater story that was happening. So all we can do, as Abram was called to do, was obey the single word that he had. He had to go one step at a time and obey God in the small things because he could never understand the greater story. But there's one more layer to the story. There's your story, Abram's story. There's our story, God's people. But there's another arc that goes well over the top. It's called by theologians the meta-narrative. Now, meta is a name we're hearing more and more about now in the online world and Web 3.0. But the meta-narrative of Scripture is much older than that. It's the overarching story of Scripture from Genesis to the end of Revelation. It's a story of God creating a people and their calling in Genesis 1.28 where we begin to see it. He says, go and multiply, go and take dominion over this earth. Short story, condensed version, make this earth like the kingdom. God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the greater story. All that's going on, including the redemptive story of Jesus, uh, the revelation coming again of Jesus, the calling of Israel as a nation, it's all to fulfill this meta-narrative, which is to let earth look much more like heaven. His kingdom come on earth. So there's three layers there, your layer, our layer, and God's layer, all working. So when he says, perceive the new thing, that's the way we're meant to think. And that's how it helps us understand what his new layer is. See, if you need this next thing, this new thing, if you need the next stage in your life to be about you, if you, just, if you are relying on a neon sign that says, hey, turn left or turn right, you're probably going to be disappointed because he, he wants you to perceive in a different way. He doesn't give you the specifics. He doesn't, doesn't tell you what to think. He's expecting you to perceive a different way. In other words, he wants you to change how you think, not what you think, how you think. Because a kingdom is built on a whole different way of thinking. If our way of thinking is based on the larger meta-narrative, God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if we perceive that way, we're looking for different things. We're not looking for a neon sign that says, hey, take that job or marry that person. It's very different to that. It's saying, Lord, how can my life, through faith, just like Abram's, how can my life make this world look more like heaven? Because ultimately, that's a story arc about your life. So to perceive your new thing, you need to think differently. 
it's the same story that Abram had. You need to perceive from a position of faith. And so we ask questions like, where's God inviting me to believe more deeply? So you can, you can think of it from your own level. You can say, well, what's this mean for me? Uh, heaven come to earth, what does that look like? Well, it's going to look like faith. It always has. It always will. Faith is going to be the, the lens through which we perceive how we think. So we're going to ask these sorts of questions. Where's God uh, asking me to experience and live from more faith? To go from a position uh, of impact in my life. Where's God asking me to invest my time and treasure? So it's gone beyond me now. Now it's about God's people. I perceive a different way. I begin to say, how does he want me to invest in faith to bless God's people and God's causes on this earth? We can look from a position of God's kingdom come. See, if we can't understand it from ourselves, or we can't understand it from the position of his people, maybe we need to go that next layer up and say, God, how, do you, how are you calling me to have faith right now to have your kingdom come on earth more like it is in heaven? So here's what we know from this story so far. Whatever the new thing is that God's calling us into, it's going to require faith. Now, faith is something of a perplexing two-sided coin. Wherever you see faith, action won't be far behind. Faith and action go together. They, but they have this interesting and dynamic relationship. Faith is a bit like a moving dance with action. It's, it's, it's dynamic. It changes all the time. But faith will normally result in action. In, in, in fact, it's inevitable. But sometimes we've got to discern the difference because we don't know whether we're called to have faith or whether we're called to act and have faith follow that. But it's faith first. Paul in Romans says, you know, this is obedience that we have is an obedience that comes from faith. That faith comes first and faith inspires. In, in other words, what we do comes from the fact that we are relying actively and drawing from God himself. So, for example, we're saved by faith alone. We're not saved by anything that we do. We can't earn the right to, to be saved by God's grace. So it's, it's grace that comes through faith. So faith comes first. But that faith at some point is inevitable. It will overflow into a change of life because you're being activated, empowered, inspired and encouraged by the grace of God. And so that will change many things about your life. So action is the response. And whenever God's calling you, whatever God's calling your life will be, it will require you to have a new level or a new type, a different faith than what you had yesterday because it's a new thing. And he's calling you into something that requires him to do something bigger and greater in your life. But here's the thing. God may ask you to just believe. There are times where he says, I need you not to do anything. Sometimes that's the hardest of all because we think faith equals action, but faith causes action. Sometimes we lose our faith, so we feel like we must act instead. But he may call you sometimes to just believe, but he won't call you to just act in the absence of belief. This is key. He will call us at times, to hold off on the action and say, I need you to stop. I need you to not initiate anything. I need you now to simply trust as a child. And something about that activates a whole different layer of how we're willing to be able to draw from God. If we get impatient and we start to act, things can get derailed really quick. And so he'll call us at times to just believe. He won't call us to just act in the absence of belief. If he calls us to act, it's in the presence of belief. This is where it all derailed. For Abram, Abram was waiting years and years. He had the promise and he decided, well, it's not happening. Maybe I need to act. And so in the absence of faith, he acted anyway. And so he slept 
in, with his maidservant Hagar. The promise was that he would have a son. Nothing was happening. And so he said, well, I'll do it my way. I'll do it the world's way. I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it to fulfill his purpose in my life, but I'm doing it man's way. And what's the result? An, a son was born called Ishmael. Now, these Ishmaels in our life, and this is a, a principle that can go broader. We, if we activate something that we think is God's will in our life, but we take way too much initiative in there, a proverbial Ishmael is born. And the trouble with Ishmaels is they don't go away. We can't just say, oh, well, that, that's a mistake, because, and let's go back and start again. Ishmaels, sometimes they are literally people. Sometimes they're relationships that we've formed that perhaps we shouldn't, but now this is a, a fundamental integrated part of our life. We can't just cut them off. Now Ishmael stays. Ishmael lived. Ishmael went on to birth nations of his own. And we're still grappling with the ramifications of that socially and geopolitically today. Ishmael's don't go away. That Ishmael will never be Isaac. And so we need to be able to consider when Ishmael's in our life uh, come on the scene. We can't just rub them away, but we need to find a way then to come to God in repentance without having to cut off necessarily the story arc that's been shifted in some way. And yet reconsider and say, Lord, is there still an Isaac in my life? Is there still an Isaac to come? I'm not going to neglect that which is a situation that I have that calls me now to respond in a godly way just because I want to get back to my Isaac moment. So sometimes we just need to grow so much as a person that the Ishmael in our life uh, remains in some form while we still pursue the Isaac, the promise of our life as well. The trouble with the Ishmael situations, of course, is something that's initiated by man, something that's initiated in our own strength, is by necessity sustained in our strength as well. It was never God's plan. It was, he doesn't promise to, to look at the errors that we make and go, that's okay, I'm going I'm to make that into your calling. It, it doesn't work that way. He may bring some form of blessing on that. I mean, Abram said, can you not bless Ishmael? And God said, yes, I will. I'll bless that young man. But Ishmael was never going to be Isaac. And so this is a complicated situation that requires wisdom and the counsel of many and, a, and, a, and an ear that's attentive to the voice of God in how we respond to the Ishmaels in our life. Okay, now's a chance for you to consider, to, to think about and to discuss. Hopefully you've got some people about you because what we give to you in this format is content that connects. And so it's discussion time. How do we make this stick? How do we apply this to our life? We've raised some pretty interesting issues. So what I want to ask you, and the questions will be on screen, is, is uh, have you experienced one of those moments where God's told you to do nothing, just believe. I need you to stop now. I need you to stop applying for jobs and looking for a spouse, whatever it would be. I need you now to just stop that and just believe. Have you had one of those moments? Write it down, talk about it, discuss, and just see how that worked out and what God did in your life through that period. Share it with those who are around you. But then what action might eventually those new levels of faith have brought out in you what happened afterwards what happened when he said that time of belief now has had its season now let's bring some action talk together about what the ramifications of that and i'd be very surprised if the action that comes from that belief didn't bring about a very different result from action in the absence of belief so i wonder can you perceive god's new thing can you perceive what he's calling us into it's an incredible moment in history we're coming out of uh, a pandemic, God willing, where, uh, you know, 10, 15 years into a new industrial revolution. So the world is going through an incredible shift in so many things. God's people are going through seismic shifts as we go online and online's 
here to stay, as well as in-person gatherings as well. So there's so much going on that, that changes some of the fundamentals in our life. So I wonder what he's telling you. I wonder what he's calling you to perceive. What's, what's the new thing? What's the new way he, he needs you to think in that? So perhaps it would help you to start from the outside. And we've talked about Abram. We've talked about how at first it was about him, then it was God's people, then God's greater narrative. But what if we started from the outside in? What if we started from that perception, that meta-narrative of Scripture and said, God, if that's my first question, God, what is it that you require of my faith so that my life can be part of this greater plan of heaven coming to earth, of this environment that we see, this chaos, this brokenness, this difficult world that we're in, that my presence in that world with you working through me can make this earth look just that little bit more like your kingdom come. And then drill down another layer. How does that work out in the context of this people, this kingdom of priests that you've made? This, the, the larger story arcs there, but that's within the context of God's people. I'm made to be connected with others. How can I contribute? God, are you giving me faith to increase my contribution through my time or through, through uh, financial means or through my giftings? And Where could you be calling me to exercise more faith in that area? And then finally, drill it down to yourself. Start big, then come down small last. As God's person, what's the step of faith you're calling me to exercise today? God's calling us into a new thing. There's so much about it that we don't know or understand. He doesn't give us the detail. He, as sons and daughters, he wants to work it through together in a relational sense. So he doesn't tell us what to think. He tells us how to think through the meta-narrative of the bigger story arc of his kingdom come in the context of his people and for you and I to be people of faith. Have a good time working that through. I hope it begins to change your life and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. Because people matter to us, we do all we can to provide spaces for you to connect with others. But if you're not in a small group, it's possible you could be absent and we don't find out until it's been far too long. These days, there's a solution to that, but we need to work on it together. If COVID left us anything of value, it's the benefits of a quick check-in via your phone. You now check in everywhere, to cafes, to concerts and to supermarkets. If we could hold on to having a simple check-in to church, it would be an absolute game-changer. If you couldn't be at church or small group for longer than normal, we would know that and be able to reach out to you. Now we've been working on an easy way to do that for our regulars. It's an upgrade on our existing check-in for kids. Adults no longer need to wave a phone or show a barcode, you just walk on in. Now if you're receiving our emails already, you are already on our system so you can download the Church Centre app, log into our church and check in on the way to church in seconds. As you leave home for church, just click on the check-ins tab, find the right service or event for that day, select who is coming, and it's done. If you have kids with you, just drill down the menus to ensure they are in the right program and check them in too. For adults, that's it. For kids, keep the barcode on screen and wave it over the iPad as you arrive in the new area just for them. Their tickets will then print and off you go. Now, if you aren't mobile friendly, that's okay. You can still head to the Connect Desk when you arrive and the team will use your mobile number or email to identify you and check you in. Through COVID, we proved that this can be done and now it's even simpler. So please help us care for everyone in our church by getting in the habit of checking in every Sunday. Thank you.